0: Welcome everybody, uh, Tom Miller here, and I'm just really excited for this podcast episode or wherever you're watching us, maybe it's on the YouTube channel or our Facebook page, one of our social media pages. We have uh, maybe one of my most favorite human beings on the planet as our guest uh, today. Um, he's going to talk about high uh, performance schools. He's going to talk about his time working with us at Leaders Building Leaders. You'll probably learn a lot about um, our guest because he he is a um, he's an adventurer, marathon completer, uh, when there was a marathon when there wasn't a marathon right you ran the new york marathon uh, That's right. uh, uh, post post uh, post hurricane twice and uh, once once you should have and and once you weren't supposed to so i just love uh, my friend jeff gorski here and um you know the reason why is this is our 200th episode and celebrating that but the reason why i asked jeff is because Jeff is the one who brought it, brought this opportunity about a podcast. I didn't know anything about a podcast when Jeff first, you know, joined our team in 2015. And, and he said, he said, I want to start a podcast. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. But now Jeff, I have to tell you that over 50 to 60% of my content absorption comes only from podcasts because of the convenience and the incredible content that is out there. So thanks for that. Thanks for starting this uh, podcast and um a little uh you know if you go back everybody to our very first 10 episodes um maybe we'll have to play a little bit of it jeff that's uh, jeff on the uh, guitar uh you know uh, he, he right. the first. it's not him on the current guitar but you know maybe he'll get there one day the little zz top action there but uh but yeah so jeff jeff is jeff is the creator of of our principal's office podcast um, I, I've known Jeff since 2005, and I've, he's my peer, my colleague. He mentors me in many ways that he probably doesn't know, and um, he's uh, my friend most importantly. So Jeff Gorski, middle school principal at Envision Science Academy here in in, um, in Wake County here in North Carolina. So welcome. Welcome to the principal's office podcast.
1: Thanks, Tom. It's, uh, it's awesome to be on the other side of the computer for this opportunity. And I, I feel like when I was listening to what you are saying that this podcast was really born out of a mutual uh a mutual interest that we both have in growth right i when i discovered podcast it was it was a i felt like still an emerging form of media that in the last 10 years has turned into a, a juggernaut of opportunity you know uh To be able to learn while you're driving or learn while you're cleaning or learn while you're doing the dishes or learn um, even while you're working on other things and just absorbing things uh, through a podcast that was really the inspiration for for me when we started this this podcast out was wow I wonder if I can twist this learning opportunity that I'm having by listening to business leaders and uh, thought leaders and philosophers and athletes and people talk about their high performance getting inspired by that I wonder if we could do that same thing with principals um, because this is a hard job and when we get stuck in our own heads and try and do the job without Anybody else's help, uh, things can go south pretty quick.
0: I love that, yeah, and um, that's what that those those first you know dozen or so podcasts were. They were straight interviews, just like this one, uh, with high performing school leaders, and they're some of our most uh, popular podcasts, and they're pretty much included in all of our programs because um, you know, the content is just amazing to learn from, you know, Cheryl Turner and Alex Quigley and Eric Sanchez. I mean, we know who those people are. Not everybody does. So go back everybody and listen to those first 10 to 12 podcasts. Uh, that's, you know, Jeff, that's all Jeff's work. And, you know, being the, um, being the precisionist that Jeff is, uh, they're actually done professionally, everybody. He took the time, (laughs) not like probably what you've been listening to, you know, since, since, you know, Tom, Tom's in charge of it, but, uh, you, you know, Jeff, I texted you last night, 125,000 downloads to this point. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, and, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll travel um, Colorado or, you know, wherever else. And someone said, Oh, I listened to your podcast. And I'll say, Really? Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and you and I had a situation where one of our schools at Buffy Fowler had, that uh, Francine Delaney School for Children, that, that somebody, I can't remember exactly where they're from, but it was somewhere in like the Midwest, right? Like they uh, packed up a van and drove down to Asheville, North Carolina, all because of the podcast that you, that you had started. Right. So, I mean, yeah, they, the, they the, the what impact they is amazing. Yeah. So thanks for that. And, uh, you're, you know, you're such a big part of, of, of this, you know, company and my growth and, uh, you're a great dad and a great husband. So you have uh, mentored me in many ways, um, so so I want to just, you know, first talk about, let's just talk about the growth piece, right? So, you know, prior to you, you know, coming to our team, Leaders Building Leaders, you know, you were a, a science teacher, math teacher, really great one at, you know, down in, you know, Leland, right? And then you, you know, you were the middle school principal at that, you know, school, right? So talk about that growth that you've had from teacher to principal to global consultant back into the, you know, and 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 yeah. So, so how has that gone?
1: So my journey in education actually started by watching my parents who are both teachers. Mm. Uh, and it first made a big impact on me to understand what teachers do when I went off to college and I met people who had my father as their teacher and they would tell me um, late into the morning uh, after the night, um, that oh, I remember your dad. He did this, or he did this project with us, or I remember when he said this one thing to me. And and I was like, wow, really? Like that this is what this is what teachers really mean to to people. And so in college I pursued education. I wanted to be a coach and a PE teacher. I wanted to spend, like my parents did, 30 years in the classroom uh, making an impact right on kids. And so I bounced around a little bit as a substitute teacher in New Hanover County and then as a teacher assistant where we met um, in, at Murrayville Elementary School in New Hanover County in North Carolina. Uh, I went to Harlem uh, to teach PE for my first actual classroom uh, you know, or you know, ownership teacher experience. I came back to North Carolina where we worked together at that school. And it was there where I started looking at the bigger picture, um, charter schools, you have an opportunity to see the entirety of what it takes to make a school happen right there within your building or your campus. And at that school, uh, Charter Day School, we had direct relationships with the curriculum developers at our parent company, Roger Bacon Academy. And we had direct interaction with uh, the, even the founder of the organization where we got to really get a grasp on, okay, from, from teacher, to building leader, to curriculum department of the central office, to founder. This is everything, finances is everything it takes to make a school operation run. And that's where I got the bug to learn more. And thankfully that was a time when you uh, allowed me to have some time in my day or my weekly schedule to be able to dig in and try some things and fail on some things and then try harder at some things. Um, under your guidance and the guidance of some of the amazing people we work with there and, and when the opportunity was presented to me to take on a leadership an official leadership role as in as a, a middle school principal there uh, I said I, I like this and I want I, I think I have a drive to learn more and I did and so I got to spend three years there being a middle school principal learned a ton and and uh, decided to move my family to the Raleigh area where my wife was also uh, a school leader. Um, we had some great dinner conversations uh, in, our, in our lifetime about the struggles and the successes of being a, a charter school leader. Um, and when, uh, when you offered me the chance to work alongside dozens of charter schools at the same time, that was about the most exciting thing I could think of. You know, during our time together, we—I think—at one point in time, we realized we were working with nearly half of all the charter schools in North Carolina, whether it was, whether it was through our newsletter or our direct interaction or or deep involvement as interim executives uh, within their school. Uh, and I really got to witness firsthand the. Uh, the great things that were happening, the variety of missions that different charter schools were trying to bring to their communities. I got to be a part of the problem solving when schools got really into deep holes and needed help. Um, and through that process, what I really came to realize about myself is that it's building a specific community around a specific Um, a specific mission that is where my passion is in education and so I found Envision Science Academy and the mission matches my personal philosophy on education and here I've come and embedded myself as a middle school leader and and I'll stay as long as they'll keep me because I really buy into what we're doing and feel like we're doing something special Um, and and I think that's what that's what I want to do the most in education is bring something special to a community of people.
0: Man, I mean, we could spend about nine hours on that first six minutes, right? Because you, you know, this is what I had no idea what I was doing when I was ahead of that middle school. Let's be very clear. I'm still trying to figure it out. But when we look back at it, right, because you're a big part of the book that we just, you know, the ebook we just released, those 10 indicators of high performing schools. And you talked about that's indicator four, right employee development and giving them an opportunity. Right. It's it's expanded professional opportunities. And so what Jeff is like alluding to is we had built, I think it was twice a week. You had open planning period, but it was used for administrative duties. Right. So you were you were in charge of the things that let's be honest, I hated to do, right? It was a lot of, uh, you know, the scheduling and discipline and you were really good at, right? So we found someone on a team who liked those things. And so this is just a great lesson for leaders. It's like, you know, there's things you're not good at and your people are very aware that you're not good at them. So find someone who's good at it, who likes to do it and give them those opportunities, you know, to grow uh, in that. And, and just really uh, thinking about your path, right? From, from overly um, effective teacher assistant, because you're never teacher assistant, you're always a teacher, all the way to to you know leading one of the most highest performing schools in all of you know North Carolina and you know probably the southeast region if you really wanted to do some heavy uh, comparison. so so at what point, so so how did you, right? because I believe you have to grow into the position? So you talked about podcast, we talked about touring some schools. We also talked about, you know, being in roles, right? You know, you were the interim executive director of a charter school that was like four hours from your home, right, at one point. So right. what are some of the growth things that you can maybe look back on that you're like, oh, that was big for me to learn that? Well,
1: starting with that time, Tom, that, that you allowed me to work out, to have a whole of my schedule, I could do administrative things. I think the biggest thing that I learned in that case was that, because um, I, I mean, to drill right down, I was building the systems for the whole staff to use to comply or to input or to make sure they're all on board with bigger systems. Uh, So when I had to do that, I really had to work my way around to every teacher in the school. I had to have conversations with them about what it is and communicate with clarity about what we were trying to do, the why behind it, uh, and then get them on board for the how, right? This, okay, so now, now we're all aligned for, what it, like why we're doing this, now I need to build out ways that I can ensure and help you to be sure that you're part of, of, of all this and you're on board. Um, and in doing that, that was a, a really important leadership skill for me. And it's really informed the way that I lead my school now is to be sure that I know that I am going to take the time to get everybody on board. And it's it's a it takes a lot of time. And it takes a lot of understanding the people that you're working with uh, to be able to speak to everybody in a way that you end that result, which is everybody on board with the same thing at the same time. Um, and so that's been that's been a cornerstone of the way that I've led ever, ever since then., yeah. but
0: yeah, I mean, I just love you know you and I are both, you know big fans of Pat Lynch, Ch- Tony. I was just actually listening to one of his most recent podcasts. It's about you know sports and business. And they were talking about how, you know, problems need to be solved as closest to the problem as possible, right? You and I both uh, believe in that part. And so, but but they were saying it's the people closest to the problem that have to have the conflict in the conversation. And that's where you were successful where I wasn't, because I wasn't able to do that. But you had different levels of influence and buy-in with your peers and your colleagues to be able to say, hey, look, we all have a common problem. How do you think we should solve it? And you built the framework around that, where at the time my personality style was just do it. <laughs> and that wasn't working for us, right? It wasn't working at the time. So, what a great leadership experience. And the fact that you've you know grown on that. Um, any other thought leaders. The other there? thing I would. Yeah.
1: Oh, you could, you're, uh, you're crackling on me here. Are oh. we still there? Yep, still here.
0: Can you hear me? All right. I can hear you. Perfect. Let's do this. Uh, I've got one more
1: thing to say that answer. Go for it. Uh, So the other, the other part, I think Tom, that was persistent through my growth was that I was always finding myself in positions that were in pools that were deeper than I was tall. Um, For example, I didn't, you know all of my training for becoming a middle school principal at Chartered Day School came on the job at chartered A school. Mm-hmm. right and and at that point in time, I didn't have the degree. I have it now, but I didn't have the degree. when When we were bouncing around to schools all over the state, uh, we were given challenges that we had the will to solve and had to work it all out, right? when when I was, when I had the opportunity to become the executive director at, at a school out in the mountains uh, in an interim role, uh, I had never had that role, but I had the will to figure it out and people to call upon to ask questions when I didn't know how to do things. Even in this role now, again, as my second go as a middle school principal, uh, every day there are things that I don't know how to handle or what to do, um, but I have, I'm driven to figure it out and to not always act like I know the answer, but rather to always act like I'm gonna figure it out. And, and that's a mindset when you're in a leadership position that trickles down to your people, that we don't, that, that no matter what, no matter what you have here in anywhere on the planet, uh, if it means something, you're always going to have people surprise you and you're always going to have new, posit- new situations that you didn't expect. And when they come up, you have some choices to make. Is this going to bear me? Is this going to, am I going to run away from this problem or am I going to run into that fire and figure it out? And when you're a leader of, a, of an organization, you have that mindset of positivity, of relentless positivity when things are really hard, and you can always show your people, woo! i didn't know how to deal with this when it happened but here's what i think i'm going to do what do you think yeah listen and then be willing to reformulate the way you approach things with input of your peers then then you can really genuinely show people that this is a new challenge and that's okay and i have confidence not that i have the right answer but that we're going to figure out over time and i think those are those are things that really, really during my time at Leaders and Leaders became concrete in my leadership style.
0: I love it. Love your transparency and just just that learning, right? It takes that reflection and that growth mindset. So what you're talking about sounds like you know mission and values, right? So you know talk about the mission and values at Envision Science Academy. How you know what you know? You said it ties right into you. So you know what is it? How does it tie into you? And and how do you all like keep it going and make sure everybody understands it?
1: well i think that here it we think about it in two different um, kind of hemispheres really one is with how we teach kids this is a school that believes that there is a confluence between project based learning and steam education and that that we are going to strive to find what that what that means and we've done a pretty good job with it we've you know won some awards stuff and people look at us and say that we're doing it well but we still feel like we have so much to learn and so much better we can do to really hone in on that mission of education. So all of our training is based upon that, Um, finding that confluence and finding growth for our students, um, all of our academic training is. So that's one aspect of our mission. The other aspect, comes from really the top of our organization, um, our executive director and trickles down to everybody, which is that we believe in teacher empowerment. And it's directly it's directly related uh, or connected to STEAM and PBL. You have to be able to have a very flexible approach to curriculum and resources uh, and teaching opportunities and chasing some rabbits uh, to make project-based learning and PBL work out well. And that's directly connected to teacher empowerment, because if from the very beginning of our hiring process and from the very beginning of every year, we are communicating that this is a school for some people who really love to own their curriculum and work together with their peers. If we're communicating that, if we're building our annual schedule and our daily schedule and our meeting schedule around those concepts, we've got to give you time to plan and we've got to give you time with your peers that we're putting our money where our mouth is to to make sure that that's not just talk that we believe in our teachers and we believe that by giving them that time and hiring good people that they will create magic for our kids right and sometimes we just want to tell them what to teach hey you're going to do this but uh you know that's not the model here the model here is I'm going to ask you questions, but ultimately you're going to have to own what the solution is to make this work out. Um, So that's that's kind of the two mission mission focused concepts that we try to uh, try to align.
0: Yeah, which it sounds like it, you know, very much aligns to your experience when you were building all the frameworks at Charter Day School, right? I mean, you know, collaboration, like you know. Nothing worthwhile was ever solved alone, but you're right, right. You know, lots of times, and which is interesting because the school that we were both in charge of was a very behaviorist model. There wasn't a lot of autonomy, <laughs> and now you're in almost an opposite, um, you know, situation where right. it's really focused on collaboration and creation and, and you know, innovation um, to get to those results. Yeah, an example of that
1: uh, today, uh, right now, somewhere in the school is, um, there's a teacher who is teaching an engineering elective class. And they came to me a week ago and said, so can I have middle schoolers build a water slide? I'm like, oh, what now? Where? Um, And she's like, well, I'm, I'm thinking kind of like a slip and slide, but I want them to think big before they build them small. And I thought, what better way than to get out a hose and a tarp and put it on a hill and get them to do some testing with their own bodies to figure out um, how they're gonna build this 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 model. And so my brow, my eyebrow looked like this, and I'm thinking about, you know how in the middle of the day we're gonna work out to get kids changed and then wet and then change back and then dry. And uh, she has five different classes about fifty three minutes. can we really do this?? Um, but my role in that exchange was to ask the questions that needed to be asked for safety, um, for appropriateness, and think about how it reflects back on those ideas in STEAM education and project based learning, and everything matched up. And so by the end of our conversation, somewhere in this school, somebody has a hose and some kids standing in front of it. Um, <laughs> and they're going to remember that day, right? Those kids are going to remember this, you know, that day that they got to do this in their school because i don't think there's a lot of schools that that would allow or would uh, framework out
0: activities that are just like that it kind of reminds me i still remember when you should take our kids you know through the woods right and all Mm -hmm. sorts of craziness sometimes would happen it'd be like all right well this is how we learn right so you know yeah. And I just love that openness. Right. And that, you know, and that's what schools were birthed upon, especially charter schools, you know, like especially is to give some autonomy and some flexibility around that. And yes, the, uh, the administrator in me is risks, right. What are the risks here? Like right? immediately, but you don't want to diminish the creativity of your people. And uh, what a great, so, so how do you, so what's part of your hiring process to go find individuals that are open to that? but also have the responsibility to like to build that plan around it, right?
1: Yeah. So we we actually just rewrote our interview questions this year um, for this current hiring season. This was uh, I think my colleagues in other schools would agree that this is this has been a, a unique hiring season over these last two years with a lot of turnover, a lot of people leaving education, a lot of people coming to education who have not been educators before as well and so we reevaluated all of our interview questions and refocused them on our mission so we asked questions about professionalism what do you what do you think a teacher's working day includes what do you, what do you think an average day as a fourth grade science and social studies teacher looks like and we listen for things like well, I think my classroom is very orderly. I think that I have all the kids sitting in rows and, and they're attentive, but they're listening to me while I talk about science topics. And that person puts up a red flag to us. While that sounds great in some schools, that's not the confluence of STEAM and project-based learning, right? In uh, that answer, we're listening for, well, I like the kids working on the floor, um, doing projects. What kind of floor do you guys have? we say, oh, we have concrete floors all over the school, so you don't have to worry about making a mess. Great. Okay, so I think about a day like this, and you can you can listen for those things from a very simple question to match up to, to your mission. We, we say things like, at some schools, you are provided a pacing guide, and you are provided Uh, very direct feedback about staying on that pacing guide and uh, making sure that you're on lesson X on X day of the year. Um, And that's great for a lot of schools. At this school, you're empowered to build that pacing guide with the support of me and our curriculum coordinator and your other, you know, let's say it's math math uh, content peers. does that sound good to you? (laughs) Like, Is that exciting to you or is that scary to you? And you can pick up on a person who hesitates in that question and says, I can do that. Or a person who says, oh, thank goodness, I've been looking for a school like this because I find so many opportunities to tie in um, more things or to slow down my pacing and spend more days or to completely stop all things together and go back and take a week to reteach if I need it. And in the past, I've been pressured to keep moving forward. Um, Those are the responses that we look for that specifically match how we think kids learn best in this setting.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you've taken a lot of time and there's a lot of intentionality around your hiring a process, which there should be, right? Because if you're not preparing on the front end, you'll be repairing on the back end, right? You're going to hire those people that just don't fit. And so, you know, it makes me think like you're writing out the questions, but as a team, you're also talking about the responses that we want to hear. And I see that I see that mistake lots of times on teams. They just kind of Google interview questions and go. Where I'm like, no, you you need to create behavioral based intervention questions. You know, that align to your mission, right? What is it that you want to hear, um, right? And 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 yeah, and and then sometimes you know people who are interviewing. They're telling you what they think you want to hear, right? Just like the rose and the, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah, see, sorry, that's not going to work here. So getting to know the school, understanding the mission, that's why charter schools are great, very, you know, mission-based. And so you've talked about what you teach and how you teach it. So how do you all know that, you know, students learn, right? Because you've been on a school or higher, I think, almost every year in existence. So what are, you you know, what are some of the ways, you know, you know, that you, you know, formatively assess, you know, students, what are some of the tools that you guys maybe use if you use any? And um, how about intervention? You know, you know, what are some ways that you guys are catching kids up?
1: Well, we're anxiously awaiting our, our school report information, which I think is coming out next week, because um, I don't think we're going to be an A this year. Uh, I think that we're going to be a B, and that's, uh, and that's fine. Everybody is recovering from learning loss and COVID. Uh, but what we really emphasize is growth. And at the time of our last school report card grade, um, you know, the uh, I guess the eighteen nineteen grade was the last one. Uh, we were in the top five percent in the state for growth, and that, that's really what matters the most to me. And that's what I communicate to the teachers all the time. Uh, growth is growth is the thing that I care about. And I know that eighty percent of our school report card grade is based on proficiency, um, but if we were in the top five percent for growth every year and and had low proficiency, that would be a result of, uh, that would be resolved over time, right? Uh, when you're doing okay. that, when you're helping kids grow that much over time, then the proficiency comes along. But we use we use pretty standard tools. We use iReady for a beginning, middle and end of year uh, student monitoring that we can act upon and build out tier two and tier three intervention plans. Um, that's pretty standard, but I think that one thing that we do a, a really pretty good job at is that we we really experiment with our intervention period. You know, part of the MTSS process is that you need to dedicate a a portion of your day to giving students unleveled work. And so one of the things that I realized when I got to this school is that um, everyone was giving interventions, which is a cool mindset to have. Uh, but wouldn't it be better if our math and our reading teachers were freed up to be the ones, the content area specialists, were the ones that were freed up to do intervention with kids in reading and math? Um, and so we rebuilt the structures of this of this time, uh, and we just keep tweaking it and playing with it. And it's a it's a major teacher empowerment moment for us because I don't delegate this, uh, or excuse me, I don't control this. I influence it and I approve it, but we look at this big equation. All right, we've got 80 kids. We've got five adults. We've got five days a week. What can we have all these kids do during this time? How can we leverage all of these content area specialists over five days to make the biggest impact and not waste anybody's time so we think about, oh, gosh, we've done it so many ways. And the way that we do it next week when we start is gonna to be totally new compared to how we've ever done it before as well. Um, but the idea is that if we've got 80 kids and we're pulling out, let's say 10 to 15 of them to get intervention and in reading and math, that leaves us with about 65 kids over three classrooms to be doing something else. So we try and think about, again, uh, extension activities within the scope of project-based learning in STEAM, we can have those kids do, while we have our reading and math teachers giving interventions uh, directly to the kids that they have. So, you know, long ago, we we created a, something called Double Dose for the kids, or we use something called Double Dose, if you remember that. Um, this is kind of like that idea, uh, where where our students that need the most are getting an extra block of time every week, or an extra two blocks of time, or an extra three blocks of time if they need it, with their reading teacher. Which, which is a I think a, has been a very productive way for us to hit all the needs of the kids. But even in the other classes during that time, they're mm. doing high level book studies with the kids. They're doing um, plays and uh, other extension activities that are helping all the kids in the school grow during that time, not just the, the low performing or the kids in need most of intervention, but yeah. everybody's being
0: served strength-based education that's exactly i mean that's what i it makes me think about you know back in 2010 or 11 when we created those electives right i said everybody just pick what you love and we had book studies we had crossfit right i mean we had all these all the teachers brought their talents into that other elective right which is you know kind of similar but then also we had our teachers teaching their strengths yeah I've, I've run into a few schools lately where the teachers are the, uh, you know, a strength that teachers are creating the lessons for someone else to do. I go, ah, it's so hard to communicate someone else's plan. Right. It's, it's really challenging. And I know that it's hard because you need a human to be able to do it. But I, you know, I love the, you know, the innovation, but you know, again, Hey, you guys solve it. Right. You know, you guys, you know, come up with the plan and uh, you're getting really good results so far. Yeah. Yeah. And back to your point about growth. Yeah. Um, There is no cap on someone's capacity to learn, right? I mean, we're all we learn until we die, right? If you do it the right way. So yeah, I mean, this, you know, we've all been through the same, you know, situation, but it's about continuing that learning, that learning process, right? You know, I know one of your favorite books was the 15 laws of growth. And you had uh, you wrote this amazing blog. I'm going to share it here in the notes about the law of environment. If you ever, ever remember that one, and you you kind of talked about how you were um, like your first job as a cook, right? You're like a short order cook, and and about like the bigger like your opportunity here is the more growth you can have. So, how have you all created that culture and that environment for growth there, where the teachers feel good about that and the students enjoy that? Because that's a culture eats, you know, vision for breakfast, right? You guys, you know, we learned that a lot. <laughs> and um, so how, how, what is the culture like there? Like, how do you all talk about culture and, you know, you know, I'm um, establish it there at a the vision science Academy.
1: I think the first thing that comes to mind, Tom, is that we like to hire from within for our leadership positions, right? So right now uh, the, the new assistant dean was a kindergarten teacher here last year. The curriculum coordinator was a math teacher the year before. Um, our interventionist, one of our two interventionists was hired as uh, from being a teacher here. So we we show value to our people doing a great job uh, in putting them in positions uh, when they come available where they can uh, touch more people, right? So that's that's the first thing, we show that from the top. Also right now we have two staff members who are, in the midst of their master's degree in school leadership. And so I learned this uh, from, uh, from schools that we visited. You know, we've built out a period for one of them, a day where someone else teaches their class uh, and they can come sit in at all of our mad meetings and add value to them. The other one, uh, this is another idea we stole from a school that we, you and I visited. Uh, the other one who is still a full-time classroom teacher at one day a month, Gets a sub and comes to be an administrator for a day. So while she's learning that, we're showing that, hey, you're going to be taking this big growth step. Fantastic. We're going to show that we care by structuring your day and structuring your schedule to show you that that matters to us too.
0: Yeah, that's really powerful. We're calling it build and borrow. Yeah. But yes, it is stealing. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was a community school of Davidson with that idea around the the day, you know, once a month, bring someone into the principal role. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part, right? A big part of that, you know, growth is exposure, right? So you were exposed to upper, you know, leadership, right back in your Now, now you're doing it and you're seeing this constant opportunity and, um, you know, growing your leaders from uh, within. So just to kind of recap everybody, like I've heard Jeff talk about, you need to identify leaders, you need to be clear of what, you know, leaders do here, right? That's your mission and your culture, or, you know, and your values. And then you need to put them in an opportunity to be successful and make decisions and kind of fail forward in a way and just, you know, let, you know, let their best idea come come you know forward and then you know let's then we look at the results and we and we you know you know evaluate which which way we need to go um talk about your students right so as a middle school principal um you know k-8 school everybody if you didn't hear from the beginning but a k-8 school how many students are at total at envision about 730 okay and you got a what's your wait list
1: uh a thousand maybe at this point in
0: time that's great yeah yeah yeah. so you got a a good you know solid base you know you you know credibility in the community when um if i were to see um, a middle schooler from envision science academy out in the community what what would you hope that i see like you know what are some of the character you know attributes that you all are working to instill into your uh, middle school students
1: we did, we did some work with this with our school improvement team recently, where we developed a student profile mm-hmm. um, and we try to put some adjectives together that describe what we want kids to leave here with. Uh, the two that are most important to me that I talk about most with the kids are creativity. All right, as a STEAM school, we have the A, the arts in STEM uh, and our teachers really go the extra mile to build in opportunities for kids to show what they know and and, it, uh, and infuse their creativity by artistry and by computer design um, and by acting or um, or recording, things like uh, podcasts or short audio clips. All that creativity we feel like, and it's a, a core component of project-based learning, is that when the students have voice and choice in how they show what they know, then they care more and they do more um, to be able to do that. So one of them is creativity. Uh, and the other one is curiosity. And this is, you know, one of the core values that I share with the school is, um, I feel like our kids are exceptional at asking questions. Um, by and large, when, when I stand in for a class or, um, or visit a class, I hear, I see kids who are unafraid to raise their hand, unafraid to ask questions, and unafraid to really question why we're doing things. And for some adults, that's a problem. That's disrespect. That's, uh, no, 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 I'm in charge. Uh, For me, uh, that lights me up. When when a student wants to challenge the why, uh, we're doing things a certain way, because then I have an opportunity to explain it to them. I have an opportunity to give them examples. I have an opportunity to make it, uh, to tell stories from the past of the school about why this matters to us and why we're doing it that way. Um, so creativity and curiosity, those are the, those are probably the ones I play on the most.
0: Man, I love that. And, you know, you and I have a common mentor where he has shared with us about, you know, sometimes in education, we kill curiosity, right? Or even in, you know, parenting, right? Because we tell our kids, stop asking so many questions. And then by the time people, uh, you know, are like adults, they stop asking questions. And I got a nine-year-old, and you got. Uh, how old's your youngest? How old's first? He's just six. He's five. He's here in kindergarten. Is it? Yeah. I mean, he, I bet you he he loves to ask questions. And my son, I always tell us like, I was like, don't ever stop asking questions. It's no for now, right? But that's it. Don't <laughs> stop because I didn't want to curb him, right? And and but you're exactly right. And you and I were both trained disc, you know, uh, uh, profile uh, leaders and and uh, you know consultants and that that you know that s style and that c style right the steady and the cautious style they're all about how and why and they make up 84% of our population so when we're you, you know you know stopping people from asking questions we're actually taking 84% of our population's best attribute out of the game and and we have you know as leaders we've got to be okay with people asking questions uh, because that's what's going to get to the better results right for sure um, yeah i love it well, two more things it, because i know you have a walkthrough coming up soon but um so okay so let's talk about employee development right so we talked about your you know growth so what are so so what are some ways like how do you you know you talked about your teachers you know needing the, the like ability to sit at a, sit at a table and come to a good a good conversation and a result and so, so what? What's the professional development for them? And and you know, how do you all continue to grow that? And then, when you're doing walkthroughs, you know, what you know, talk, you know, tell us about your walkthrough process. I guess, yeah.
1: Okay, so first, the first thing I think about is is the PD that we that we really focus on. There are a couple of opportunities that are. Um, The names are slipping my my mind right now, but there are things that are in North Carolina that are technology-based or STEM-based teacher development conferences. Um, And so we have annual groups of people who go to those conferences because they're able to bring back tools to get people excited about using with their kids. Um, For me this past year, I took a a group to the middle school, uh, North Carolina Middle School uh, teachers our middle level educators NCMLE conference, um, which again, targeted specifically my people, right? My teachers and the the strategies for the kids that I spend most of my time with. Um, And so I find those opportunities that are very narrowly targeted to be the most beneficial because you gain a lot about a little and then you can come back and make specific changes about it. so, for my walkthroughs, uh, i'm always I'm always experimenting with my my walkthrough protocols. and and uh, I don't know that there's a best way to do it, but there is a way to stop doing it um, and let the other things get into your schedule and push your time in classrooms out of the way. And that's really what the battle is is keeping your schedule to be able to get into the classrooms. And so I've started this year, uh, again. I was trying something new, um, uh, a model where I am meeting weekly with new teachers to the school. Mm. All right, so um, it's this is because we don't have a set or standard curriculum, and there's a lot of teacher influence on what they teach. It's especially hard to start in this school, and and after a year, teachers uh, love that idea and love it because they now have a set of resources or bank that they can draw upon but the first year is hard so I have specifically this year targeted my new teachers to the school um, that is why I have a 30-minute meeting on the schedule every week for them for me to come in uh, and as I breeze through during the week and see them to make some notes for myself and know that we're going to have a time to sit down and talk about it where they can come in and they can have some questions that they wanna ask me what I thought about something and I can have someone to bring their attention. And that can be our our kind of rhythm of development is every week. And that's not really a thing that's been done here at this school before. Um, But one of my learning points in my time here is that my breeze throughs in the morning before school to check on everybody or in the afternoon before we believe or during planning periods to say, hey, Here I am, I'm visible, I'm present, what do you need? Nothing, great and keep moving. Like that's not enough uh, for, especially for new people. That can be enough for my veteran teachers who need to know that I see them and that I trust them and that I'm available. But for my new teachers that are drinking from my fire hose, they they need more out of me, out of their leader. And so I've structured that time in to be able to, to prevent the phenomenon of me getting at them, seeing what they're doing, giving them a compliment, keeping it moving, asking what they need, they say nothing, great. Um, But meanwhile, the reason they said great is because they really are behind in their planning or their grading or their communication. And rather than getting the help they need in that moment while I'm offering it, they're actually falling further behind and don't know what to do. Um, So it's all. It's all experimenting, Tom. It's all trying new things with fidelity and seeing if they're gonna work and then pivoting if they don't and asking people questions to see if they scratch their itches or not.
0: Yeah. And data leaves clues, right? So, you, you know, there's all these, you know, pieces you could look at teachers, working conditions surveys and climate surveys mm-hmm. and retention and all those other pieces. But it's that human relationship that's really going to make the difference. And I, I'm pretty sure you were in the room when we had our live uh, to lead. It was Chris Hogan, right? He, he shared those three questions to employee retention. How are you? What are you working on? And how can I help? It just, you know, sounds like that. And you got to, you, you do have to pause and you have to get people to pause to do that. And Because they won't, you know, teachers are, they're, um, I don't want to use, they're just beasts. They love to work, right? And serve and just do what they need to do to to help every kid. And, you know, principals can get in that mode where um, they're literally working themselves to death, uh, Jeff. So I wanted to talk to you about your, you're probably one of the best that I've ever met of unplugging. How in the world do you get yourself to do that? You know, both your parents were teachers. And I remember you telling me a story about, I think it was your mom who said when she was about to retire 35 years in, now I'm finally figuring it out, right? I mean, so they did 35 years, you've got almost 20 years and now, like, how how have you learned to unplug? You know, what, you know, what advice can you give other? First year leaders out there, and or just even veteran leaders out there, about how do you unplug?
1: Yeah, I'll never forget that thing my mom told me, and that that really shaped my approach to growth myself. Uh, she was a reading specialist, and you know, there's a hundred different ways to try and give reading intervention to kids, and and that was in her last year. She said that I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm really starting to get good at this.
0: Um, <laughs> Amazing human right. beings. If you yes. if you run into either of the Gorskis out there, because they are around, they are just amazing humans, and um, yeah, just just great people. So yeah. Uh, for
1: me, I, I think the advice I give to people is that you everybody has a different limit. You know, Tom, your your motor for working and your limits are different from mine, and mine are different from my colleagues here at the school. So you have to. There's no there's no one size fits all answer there, but you do have to have an answer. You do have to have a plan of how you're gonna keep the energy up because the entire organization, as as we learned from John Maxwell, like you're the, you're the lid on your organization. The organization can only be as good as you are as a leader. It can't be better. Um, so uh, you have to know what your limit is. For me, I take two weeks at Christmas and two weeks in the summer to recharge, uh, to be completely cut off from all things uh, about my job and really, just be present and focus on my family. And when I do that time, there's very little that that I am willing to field as far as as far as far work stuff. And I have to plan for that and I have to structure that and I have to communicate that to myself as much as to my t- team that that's gonna be the case. Um, and then between those times, I don't know that I have the best plan uh, in action, but I do have some steam release valves in my life and they are exercise and nature. And I know that uh, if I don't if I don't say it, then thankfully my wife will say it. You need to go run. It's like, well, I do, I do need to go run. Okay. And and I get recentered by a good sweat and I I get to get in that meditative moan of shutting down uh, my brain or really exploring things in my brain while I'm exercising that I can come out with peace and so uh, that's really the what I have built in my life the 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 Christmas time the summertime and uh and then exercise in between
0: yeah I love it and so when when you're running or exercising are you are you listening to anything or are you just free you just you just completely unplug and enjoy the nature
1: yeah it depends it depends if I'm if I'm on a trail run, I like to just be in the woods. Hmm. If I'm on a, a road run, I like to listen to to things that make me think. Um, if I'm if I'm surfing, I'm, I'm definitely yeah, it takes hundred percent of my attention to be able to be in tune to the ocean and the waves. Um, I've recently taken on taken on a new hobby, I don't think I've shared, shared it with you. Um, I started playing the piano. And oh. so uh, that's a, a new stress outlet for me that uh, in the night is an electric piano. So um, as a 41-year-old taking on a brand new hobby, and I have, I've I played guitar things in the past, but uh, this is a brand new thing for me that really flushes my brain out at the end of the day if I can, because I don't know how to play the piano. I'm just watching YouTube and figuring some things out, but I really can get into a zone of focus on only the piano when I'm playing the piano. Uh, where nothing else comes in it's headphones so it's it's no no kids asking me things or or anybody needing me where it's it's very meditative and very in tune and that's been a a new a new initiative in the stress relief uh, category for me.
0: I love it well I'm going to share here one of the pictures here from you know Jeff and I this is uh, in a big sky Montana we had taken the time we were both um, leading uh, or, uh, uh, facilitating, you know, sessions, uh, for, um, a charter school organization out there. And so you and I, we, you know, made a date, right. We say, Hey, on the last day, we're going to walk to the top of that mountain. And, um, during, during that time, uh, you and I, I'm going to, I'm going to pull it up. We actually wrote a, uh, a, a, leadership lesson. If you, if you remember, I, I'm going to put it up here, but we had, we had talked about, um, what are all of the, uh, you know, a potential barriers of, of a leader, right. As you're, as we were navigating up the top, right. We ran into the Billy goat and all sorts of things. Right. But that's right. <laughs> yeah. We, but we had, you know, you know, self-doubt and self-leadership and your ego can get in the way and trying to do it by yourself as the lone ranger and mindset and procrastination. You talked a lot about this, right. So what's, what's just, you know, you know, you know, maybe one thing that you've personally had to battle, right. To, to grow into the leader that you know you are now, or you know maybe something you're working towards
1: mm. Well, when I look at this picture, Tom, I remember the very last part of that of that hike was on this crumbly shale rock above the tree line,
2: mm-hmm.
1: when at every step, I asked myself, is this safe? Should we turn around? Like, is this, is this what, should we really be doing this? There's a chairlift that goes right to the top of this mountain and we are taking the hard way on purpose. Um, And so I think that 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 experience there is a lot like what I struggle with. Um, You know, school leadership is a consuming uh, calling. It really is. And if you're not careful, it will it will you know take you away from your kids. It'll take you away from your relationships. Uh, and and then you still aren't doing it right, you know? Uh, and you still get frustrated. And so uh, making sure that I know why I'm doing something is something that I always think about, and I always challenge myself on. And right now, my my biggest why is that I get two years, this year and next year, where all three of my children are students at this school. Mm. Uh, I have a seventh grader, a fifth grader, and a kindergartner here. And what an opportunity I have to continue to refine this school to be the very, very best. What motivation I have in short order and over time to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can, I'm leading people the best I can, I'm equipping people the best I can, uh, because it matters to me for all of the people who choose this school that they trust that we're doing a good job for their kids, and it matters to me more that I trust that I'm doing that for my own kids and that I'm, I'm leading right for their sake as well.
0: I love that. And I think that's a perfect way for us to end. I won't talk about our 36 hour smoking banana trip to Indiana. I don't think people want to hear that. (laughs) Maybe maybe that'll be for another 250 or a 300 podcast. We'll bring you back for that one. So Jeff, Jeff, I love you. And thanks so much for being my friend. And, uh, you have made a big impact on my life and thanks for you know starting this podcast hope all the people out there so if you want you know learn more about you know Jeff and Envision Science Academy you know i'll make sure i put the link but it's envisionscienceacademy.org is, is the website yeah we're .com. Dot com. Yeah. and uh, great school in Raleigh and you guys i i think i've heard a rumor that you're starting to build like a teacher leader or like uh, like your own kind of like a uh, consortium right so maybe down the road we'll have some folks come from all across the country oh, to see exciting your school and 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 grow more teacher leaders so we're,
1: we're calling it a teacher showcase though uh yeah. we really wanted to be by teachers and for teachers to where we're just exchanging like with like-minded schools what we are proud of and what they're proud of. And hopefully that's going to have an exponential value to them um, as well as to us. Yeah, it's really I can't amazing. wait for that.
0: It's so needed. It's so needed, especially from the middle school you know, perspective, because we, te- we tend to get lost. I didn't know anything about middle school until I became middle school principal, and then I had to learn really fast. So thanks again. So check that out, you know, check out Jeff, I'll put his contact information in here. And, uh, but uh, I, I hope everybody got some great ideas and value out of, you know, Jeff, you know, someone who's, who's clearly a model, right? He knows the way he's leading the way and he's growing the way, but he knows that He's got a lot of growing to go. And that's and that's just the way we have to be as leaders. So thanks, Jeff, again, for your time and for your leadership and for the impact that you've made not only here on this podcast, but obviously of all the kids that you lead. So,
2: hey, thanks for listening to our podcast, everybody. I just want to take another 30 seconds of your time. You may not know, but I just wrote a book and I want to give it to you because you're one of our loyal listeners. Uh, This book is the 10 Indicators of High-Performing Charter Schools, and this book is based upon my almost 20 years now of charter school leadership experience and school leadership experience and research, and it's got great best practices and resources that I've learned from the best school leaders across the globe, and I want to put it in your hands. So here's all you need to do. Go to our website at lbleaders.com, lbleaders.com and at the very top you're going to see a green bar go ahead and click on that bar and you can just put your email address in there and the book will be in your hands in a matter of seconds now once you get the book there's an assessment we have created this assessment for you for you to take a look at your school because remember the leaders first job is to identify the current reality so this is going to be a great assessment for you to take based upon the 10 indicators and then you'll immediately get a response you'll get your score and you'll get um, an opportunity for you to to put your score on a great visual so you can sit with your team and talk about hey where where do we need to improve okay so all those things are free to you because of you being a member of our uh, principal office podcast. So go to the website lbleaders.com, click on the link to get your copy of our latest book. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.